So uh, tonight I want to um, speak about or sort of attempt to kind of unpack just what's sort of going on in, been going on in my heart kind of ever since the Prophetic Summit. Who was at the Prophetic Summit, start of the year? Epic way to start your year, I'm telling you. It was awesome. And I, I heard this, um, the phrase by Pastor David Balestri. Do you guys know who that is? So he's like, he's an executive pastor at Hope You See Church on the Central Coast, New South Wales, and he's also a high-level business coach as well, which is awesome, this awesome combination. And he said, he made this statement that I haven't been able to forget. He said, right now we're in a season of disruption. Now, who knows what I'm talking about? Right, so like everything in the world right now is being disrupted. The way we do lives, the government's been disrupted, our schools have been disrupted, our livelihoods, everything is being disrupted. He said, but it's actually, for those that can see it, it's actually an incredible day of opportunity. That right now, it looks like it's just disruption. But what it actually is, for the innovators among us and for those that would have the eyes to see spiritually as believers, it's actually an incredible day of opportunity. Who understands what I'm talking about? Now, if you're going to talk about someone who knows opportunity in the Bible, I would go straight to King David. Actually, before he was King David. When he's little David and he's going to the... Who, who guys know? Does everyone know the story? Can I assume we're pretty up on the story of David and Goliath? All right, so you guys know. So he's going, dropping food off. He's hanging out with the sheep while everyone else, Israel, is being intimidated and tormented by this one giant Goliath. All right, David hears it. All right, now when everyone else is like freaking out, he hears it. Here's this guy, and he overhears what's going to happen for the guy that actually kills this guy. So I just want to read this real quick. It's 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. It says, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I love it. He's like in the middle of like hectic intimidation. This young guy walks in and is like, what did you say is going to happen? Like, like marrying the king's daughter, lots of riches and no taxes for my family for the rest of my life. Isn't it interesting? Like, it's kind of like he's too young to know that he shouldn't be kind of thinking about that stuff in this moment. You think about that, right? I can imagine like the other guys all saying, man, like, David, this isn't the time to be thinking about your future wife. This ain't the time for it, mate. Or thinking about that next mansion you want to buy with that money or like the thing. This ain't the time. Like things are really bad. We're about to be enslaved and like destroyed. There is no future. It's not the time to be thinking about opportunity. Do you guys, know, do you understand what I'm saying? So I want to look at just a couple of sort of things I've noticed about opportunity in this. Number one, opportunity is rarely convenient. <laughs> you could argue, and even like put it in our context right now, you could argue now is not a good time to be looking for opportunity. Right? There's just so much going on, so many uncertain things. It's not the time to be like looking ahead and like thinking about moving forward. It's like, no, just bunker down. But David, who was just in his delivery job, what did he do? He's like, he was tuned, in my opinion, his ears were tuned to the opportunity and he was looking for it. So opportunity is never convenient. Say that, opportunity is never convenient. 
Number two, your God-given opportunity may come in the form of an intimidating giant. It's a thought, right? Like, think about, like, David probably had a few key pinnacle moments in his, over his lifetime, but this one, to me, is kind of the first, like, big turning point moment, right? And what did his beautiful, great, big, moving me into my destiny opportunity look like? A big, old, fat, intimidating giant. David's opportunity came in that, in that form. So I want to say, if you're facing an intimidating giant right now, it could actually be God's opportunity for you in disguise. Just a thought. You know, David seizing the day of opportunity resulted into him stepping into the next stage of his destiny. That's number three, that he seized, seizing your God-given opportunity, regardless of what it is, can actually be the thing that opens the door to the great next thing that God has for you. And this is what I feel like God's highlighting right now. So then, how do we become people that can recognize, like to me this is the obvious choice or obvious question, right? If that's the case, how do I become someone that recognizes opportunity when it comes knocking? Because it's not always that obvious. So I think, or I would say like this, how do you position yourself to spot opportunity when it comes? I believe that one of the key ways is to cultivate biblical hope. Now, I'm saying biblical hope, not just hope. So, and I'm going to talk about what I believe that means. Because I think the more that hope grows and therefore our expectation increases, the more readily you will naturally spot the opportunity when it is placed in front of you. It's not just for the lucky ones that are in the right place at the right time. Like, how many of you know that? Like, it can look like sometimes that some people just always seem to be in the right place at the right time. How many know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, how come, like, they're just, they're always looking, or they always just seem to find the niche or the thing, like, not even in just the Christian world, but there's people out there that look and think a certain way, and they've trained themselves to spot it, right? And I think even, like, at the moment, the people that are the forefront of innovation in our world, right? Like, have you guys heard about... Apparently at the moment in Sydney and Melbourne, there's this new, these new apps that have been released and it's get your groceries delivered in 15 minutes, right? And these guys, it's like, and it's not like, it's not actually like value for money. You don't do your whole shop, but for people that are in lockup, they've got these mini warehouses set up, designed so that guys can grab the food really quickly and you can get groceries delivered to your door within 15 minutes, all because of like COVID and lockdowns and everything that's happened, right? And the supermarkets aren't keeping up. And someone, instead of just freaking out and complaining about it, was paying attention and was able to find a niche, see an opportunity in the day of disruption and do something about it. Right? Does that make sense? And how much more can someone connected to God do that, right? That's just a person that's like looking for it, right? But what about, we have the mind of Christ, we have relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, Proverbs 10 verse 5 in the Amplified says, He who gathers during summer and takes advantage of his opportunities is a son who acts wisely. But he who sleeps during harvest and ignores the moment of opportunity is a son who acts shamefully. 
If you want to really get it between the eyes, read it from the Passion Translation. It says, Know the importance of the season you're in and a wise son you'll be. But what a waste when an incompetent son or daughter sleeps through their day of opportunity. Right? And it's not, it's not about like good or bad, but it's like, okay, we have an opportunity to position ourselves to spot opportunity right now. And I believe that hope is the thing that sets you up to be looking for it. It's like it, it kind of gets your like little receiver antenna, Holy Spirit antenna is kind of like looking for it and kind of being able to spot it when it comes, right? All right. So let's try and just, I just want to define or give you guys Aaron's best effort to define what I would call biblical hope and what it does. You ready for this? Now, we've said this a bunch of times here. So what I would kind of say it is that it is basically the joyful anticipation of what? Good. Sarah's on it. The joyful anticipation of good. Say that for me. So that's what, when I talk about having biblical hope, I'm talking about the joyful. All right. So there's a posture like emotionally or in God that we take an expectation that something good is going to happen, right? And, it, and the picture of it is like a kid waiting in their bedroom for mum and dad to say on Christmas Day, it's time to open the presents. You guys have seen that? Who's got kids here that, and you make them wait in their rooms to a certain point at least until 5 a.m.? Like it's illegal before 5 a.m.? I think that's a necessary rule. Anyway, so that's the picture of it. Now, what does faith do? Oh, what, what does hope do? Sorry. Like faith, hope doesn't deny the existence of the problem. It simply denies it a place of influence in your life. Right? So it's not, it's not saying hope, being in biblical hope is not acting like there, there is no problem or just ignoring the problem. It's like, yeah, I know it's there and it's real and it's kind of like it can affect a lot of things, but I'm going to deny it a place of influence in my thinking and my thought life. Does that make sense? So now hope also says, I believe the future will be better than the present and I have the power to help make it so. Let me say that one more time. Hope says, I believe the future will be better than the present and I have the power to help make it so. When you're in hope, you're not allowed to be a victim. Does that make sense? You are not powerless. That it's not just all the outside forces working against you and everything is terrible and I can't do anything about it and life's just hard and I hope I get to heaven soon. Right? That's a pretty dark thought, isn't it? But it's that I have the power to co-labor with God because that's the way He designed it to actually help shape the future and make it better. Hope will cause your influence to increase. One of my favorite, favorite Bethel quotes. The one with the most hope in the room has the most influence in the room. Now think about that, especially in our climate right now, right? If you want to be influential, no matter what your sphere is right now, if you want to be influential in this coming season, develop your biblical hope. Make it a staple and a part of your life and renew your mind to God's Word and to how He says that you ought to view difficult situations and how He says you should respond to things. And I'm telling you, mark my words, your influence in any room or sphere you walk into will increase. Won't happen overnight, but it will happen. <laughs> Only a few of you got that. That's, that's an old Revlon ad or something for here, I think. Right. 
So the big question is, how do you increase hope, right? Is that the question? It's like, yeah, cool. Hope helps me op- recognize opportunity. So how do I grow or develop hope? Or how do you keep yourself in a full, genuine hope and expectation? The obvious answer, I think, is that you, it's the renewed mind, right? We know that, right? It's the renewed mind. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the... It actually says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test and approve what the perfect will of God is. So the only way to know what God's will is, is to have a renewed mind. Right? It's the way that we see. All right, so today I want to give you guys Aaron's top three biblically-based mindsets declarations to grow your hope. It's always like, sounds like an infomercial. And if you respond in the next five minutes, you'll also get a free set of steak knives. <laughs> so, so Aaron's top three. So there's a lot, obviously. The Bible's full of great promises. But I want to give you the top three that have affected my life the most. And hopefully, if you need them, that they can, you can take them and apply them yourself. All right, number one, possibly my favorite. Say this with me. There is always a solution. Say it again. It feels good to say it. There is. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, right? Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Matthew 7.7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Matthew 19.26 says, and looking at them, Jesus said, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. There is always a solution with God. Do you know, this is the interesting thing. How you think about a problem will determine whether or not you you can see a solution. Now, scientifically speaking, let's get a little nerdy for a second. If you don't believe, so it's proven science, right? If you don't believe that a a solution exists, your subconscious mind will will not think for it or think about it. It it doesn't have the ability to think of a solution. What your subconscious mind, right now, our subconscious minds, according to the latest studies that I've found, you have about 6,000 thoughts buzzing around your subconscious mind, I believe, every hour. Right, so it's like constant things. And there's a lot of repeat, but... Your subconscious mind is going to be looking for evidence of what you believe. All right, now let me just read a couple of quotes quickly. As humans, we are wired in such a way that our subconscious minds will continuously look for evidence to prove what we really believe. This is called confirmation bias. Everyone say confirmation bias. Now, there's something important that you need to know about your brain. It likes to be right. Being right feels good thanks to the chemicals released in your brain and it takes way less energy than always challenging your current view of the world. This means that thanks to your brain, you're subconscious, you're subconsciously always looking for evidence to support what you already believe. This impacts how you gather, interpret and remember information. Now for example, and see if this relates to anyone, if you believe that people generally don't like you, you'll always be on high alert for any signs that someone may not want to connect with you, such as a less friendly than usual expression, a late reply to a text message, or showing up late. You may interpret neutral behavior as negative. You may be likely to seek out information on why it's hard to connect with others and interpret it in a way that confirms you are unlikable. 
You'll remember and recall the moments, signs and information that support the facts that others don't like you more easily than other information. This is called confirmation bias. And it explains why two people can have the same evidence and come away with two completely different and perhaps opposing viewpoints, both validating their ideas. Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, this is actually a a thing, a way, and think about it, who created our brains, right? God. That our natural body, I believe, once renewed and in right order, actually works as a beautifully functioning machine to support the beliefs of what God says about us, right? So listen, so powerful, right? So your brain is looking for evidence for what you believe. Now, here's a quote that might mess your minds up. So in this context, the evidence does not support your belief. Rather, the evidence was created by your belief. Does that make sense? So when we're looking at now, remember, we're talking about solutions, opportunities, all right? What you believe there is out there, your brain's looking for evidence for. So your brain is going to be compiling evidence to support your belief, right? So therefore, if you don't believe there's a solution, your mind is incapable of finding one because it's going to look for evidence that there isn't a solution and that's all it's going to see. But what happens when you renew your mind that there is always a solution, That means your subconscious is going to go into a little hamster wheel spin overdrive and start looking for solutions, right? And it's going to start to be like, okay, I can't see it right now. This is kind of overwhelming. I don't know how to do this, but I know that there is always a solution because of God's Word. So, and I'm not going to change that subject. There is always a solution. There is always a solution. And I'm going to keep going until the solution presents itself. You know, Albert Einstein, who knows him? Arguably one of the greatest minds of our time. He says, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with problems longer. Now think about that. One of the most like, intelligent men to come up with all these sorts of theories and, and whatnot, that's amazing. He's like, no, I'm not the smartest dude around. I just don't quit because I can't find the solution. I just stay with the problem, I stay with the problem, I stay with the problem until I find the solution. Nelson Mandela said, it always seems impossible until it's done. Right? People that really change the world, they always go after things that there's always the haters, can't be done, can't be done, can't be done. All the reasons why it can't be done. And one person's like, no, it can be done. It can be done. It can be done. And there's all the criticism and all the stuff. And then eventually it's done. And everyone's like, whoo, it can be done. Right? Everything seems impossible until it's done. And I'm telling you, from my own experience, that's such the truth. When I face a situation and I get the, the sinking feeling, who gets the sinking feeling when they face a situation like, oh man, what am I going to do now? <laughs> right? You get that situation. Because I've been journeying with this, um, and I found this from an amazing guy named Steve Backlin, cheeky plug. The guy's amazing. If you want to look him up, ignitinghopeministries.com. Declaration's amazing teaching on this, by the way. So... Because I've been little, I'm like, okay, so I'm getting that sinking feeling. I'm able to go relatively quickly now. Okay, hang on. This feels a little freaky. I don't know what I'm going to do, but there is always a solution. Thank you, Lord, that it's there. Your word says all things are possible. And even though I can't see it yet, 
I thank you, Lord, that the answer's coming. And I'm telling you, just practically, right, the amount of stress or pressure that that one belief removes is incredible. And what it does is it, it replaces it with hope, right? Now, the other thing is like when you start renewing your mind, there's a thing that happens. When you hear um, a truth that is against what you believe is true right now, a thing also happens called cognitive dissonance, all right? That's where you feel uncomfortable because there's a truth that goes against what you have been seeing evidence for for maybe a long time. So don't be concerned as you are renewing your mind that it might feel uncomfortable for a little bit. But the important thing is that you keep doing it repetitively, over and over, a little bit by little bit, maybe morning and night, or however it works for you. And then over time, like who's read Caroline Leaf? Have I lost you? The pathway in your brain that's so used to thinking a certain way will change. And then it's going to think another way. And then hope's going to manifest. And then you're going to start to see opportunities and life's going to get real fun. Right? All right. Whew. So let's just do this declaration. Will you do this one with me? Because I believe there is a solution to every difficulty, I will see solutions manifest in incredible ways. Even in the most difficult situations. All right, number two. You ready for this one? This is Aaron's number two declaration mindset. Today is a day of training for my prophetic destiny. Everything I face is an opportunity to build spiritual muscles for my incre increasingly influential days ahead. Let's say it again. Today is a day of training for my prophetic destiny. Everything I face is an opportunity to build spiritual muscles for my increasingly influential days ahead. You know, like my daughter said to me today when I was just, she was asking me about what I'm preaching about, and I, I mentioned this, and she goes, oh yeah, Dad, that's like my teacher tells us in class when we're doing reading. She goes, you know, when, you're, when you have to do your reading levels and whatever, she goes, she says, if you only read books that are easy for you to read, you're not going to grow. The only way that you're going to grow is to pick up a book that's hard, and then you'll increase. The nature of growth requires challenge, Right? Right? So challenge is a part of the game. Or in other words, my current challenges and frustrations are, training, are a training ground for my greater influence I will have in the future. How you see your challenges today matters. And they will have a great impact on your level of hope. Now, can I just give you guys a quick side note statistic on worry? Who wants to hear this? Now, again, this is just basic science statistic. A study done by Cornwall University. 85% of what we worry about never happens. Okay, this is now, again, this is just basic stats, and there'll be some flex because it's generalized, you know, the way statistics work. 15% of the worries, that's the worries that are left over that did happen, 79% of the subjects discovered that either they could handle the difficulty better than they expected or that the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. Okay, so guess what the conclusion is? That 97% of our worries are baseless and result from an unfounded pessimistic perception. How about that? Isn't it a wonder that Jesus, when chatting to the disciples or whoever, was like, hey, don't worry. Don't be anxious for anything. Do you think that maybe the Son of God had an idea 
that about 97% of what you are worrying about is a big fat waste of your time. And most of that sounds like the enemy having a big old field day in your mind space because we don't know any better. And you think about like, so that's kind of like, man, what a waste. But then you think about like, what is the effects of worry on our bodies? Right? There's this like unfounded, that's the word, there is this baseless, unfounded, pessimistic perception that is taken over 97% of the majority of our headspaces that is making us sick and all this other stuff and making our lives miserable. Hello, right? That's actually unfounded. So when you don't have a vision for the future, okay, and understand that each challenge and trial is actually growing and sharpening you, it's real easy to get into that. And man, I've been there. God, why are you doing this to me? I thought you were good. Right? Who said that? Come on. And you end up hopeless, powerless, cynical. Nothing I do ever really changes anything. It's all just going down the gurgler. Life is just really hard and we just have to hang on. Right? That's when we don't have a vision for the like why. Right? Or... On the other hand, you can grab a hold of the James 1, 2, 4, right? Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various trials. Be assured, be assured, be assured that the testing of your faith produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Right? Who wants inner peace? (laughs) Chase the trials. Woo! And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. Or like Romans 5.3 says, and not only this, but we also celebrate, listen, celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, guess what? Hope. One of the ways that we can see hope grow is to get a vision for what the heck is going on in our lives. That there's a bigger picture at play then just life is hard and I've got to hold on. You know what I mean? Or like, yeah, it's just, it's a challenge and a battle until I get to heaven. Like it kind of is, right? But it's because God's wanting to grow and increase your influence and, your, and expand you, right? So, ah, man. Let me just give you guys, I just want to read you really quickly. An example from Jesus. Go to Hebrews 12. And I just want to read this. This is how Jesus approached this, right? And once Hebrews reveals itself to me in my Bible, we'll carry on. Any minute now. Oh, hang on. I actually bookmarked it. I did. There we are. Okay, Hebrews 12. Now listen to this. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle the clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race. Okay, so what's the context? Running life's marathon race, right? Not just a moment, but the whole thing. With passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Now say, his example is this. Because his heart, everyone say heart, was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. 
and now sits exalted at the right hand of God, right? So because his heart was focused on his prize, the goal, I'm going to get all of you, that's how he endured the cross. That was his example, right? So then it says, so consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave under life's pressures. All right, so how's that? So consider carefully how Jesus faced the cross, right? So, Or how did he face the opposition? His heart was focused on knowing that you would be his. So basically, in Aaron's language, he kept... The big picture goal in mind. Everyone say big picture goal. He faced the trial by keeping his heart focused on the big picture. And then it says, carefully consider how Jesus did this so that you won't become worn down and cave under the pressure of life. So is it possible that Jesus is giving us a blueprint on how we are to face the trials of life? He's like, hey, this is how Jesus did it. You keep it okay, like, what's this about? This is bigger than just my life sucks right now or this is happening right now or this is really hard right now. Oh, man, it just seems like everything keeps happening right now. No, no, like, I know every time I face a trial, I am being, my character is being sharpened and my spiritual muscles are growing for increasingly influential days ahead. This is going to make me bigger and better and stronger in the Lord. Does that make sense? And I think that's one of the key ways of staying in hope is to focus on that. All right, it's the joy set before him. Now, let's just say this real quick. Declaration time. Because I have a vision for my future, (laughs) I realize today is a day of training for my prophetic destiny. (laughs) Great job. Everything I face is an opportunity to build spiritual muscles, For my increasingly influential days ahead. All right. You ready for number three? Let's bring this home. I will walk in the joy of the Lord today because it's my strength. Oh, you don't have to say it yet. There's a declaration about it at the end. I haven't got time now. I'm just kidding. But good job, everybody. Well done. You're a good congregation. Well done. Like... I will walk in the joy of the Lord today because it's my strength. I choose to be glad today, even though there are unresolved situations and uncertainties in my life. My joy is a catalytic force that advances the kingdom. Right? So Nehemiah 8 verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send the portions to those from whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right, so do not sorrow, people. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, how many of you know the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? You don't need strength at the end of the battle, do you? So when do you need strength? So what is your strength in the battle? All right? The, the, the supernatural joy that you need in the battle. And sure, celebrate at the end. That's amazing. That's the best. And throw a party. But you need strength in the battle. Yeah. Right? 
Does that make sense? That's why, like, why do you think the Bible's like, rejoice? I'm going to celebrate in my trial, in my tribulation. Why? Because you need strength to handle it, right? And it's a biblical key. I'm telling you, it's one of the ways to stay in hope is to choose joy every day. All right, Psalm 118, 24 says, this is the day the Lord has what? We will rejoice and be glad in it, right? This is the ultimate morning person's voice as well. Right? Morning person's (laughs) Fabulous. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's not like, it's not, we might rejoice, or if I feel like it, I will rejoice. I love the, like, the confidence and determination. It's like, this is, like, it's kind of like, this is the day. This is God's day. God's awesome. The day's awesome. I'm awesome. And I'm going to rejoice. Do you know what I mean? And that, that word rejoice actually means to spin around. For everyone that's like, I'm rejoicing on the inside. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's fine. But I'm saying, it means to spin around under the influence of any violent emotion. <laughs> that's kind of wild. <laughs> I know, right? But there's a supernatural strength for when you choose joy. Now, real quick, I probably said this a thousand times, but Smith Wigglesworth did this, right? He makes this crazy, incredible statement. I don't ever ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I jump out of bed. I dance before the Lord for at least 10 to 12 minutes, high-speed dancing. I jump up and down and run around my room telling God how great he is, how wonderful he is, how glad I am associated to be with him and to be his. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried high-speed dancing for 10 to 12 minutes. The academy students and I have tried it for about a minute, and we did it. I tell you what, if you really want to make things awkward, do it by yourself in a room with no one watching. I don't know why, but when I do that, I actually do this. A lot of the mornings, I will start my morning. I'll put on some like cranking planet shakers praise because it's really like pumping. And I'll dance before the Lord for like a couple of minutes. And it's like, it's bizarre how awkward that is. What, it's, it's like worse than doing it in front of people somehow. But it's powerful, right? And I'll tell you, like, it lifts heaviness, and somehow it just kind of is like all the things that are so big just kind of gets like, oh, it's not actually as big as it felt like it is, right? Praise will do that. It's like somehow it, it kind of lifts, and you think about it, think about it when it comes to, like, Wigglesworth. How many hopeless situations did Smith Wigglesworth impact? Makes you kind of think, right? If he was onto something the way he would start his day with this wild praise and a joy. Like, sure, joy can hit you and you can't stop laughing and it's out of your control. But joy is something you actually have to choose too, by faith, right? That means I am going to choose joy today. And again, like a muscle, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And it's like choosing joy is probably one of the best health decisions you could ever make, right? Let's go. One more declaration, then we're going to wrap. I choose to be glad today, even though there are unresolved situations and uncertainties in my life. That's the bit you guys (laughs) falls apart. My joy is a catalytic force that advances the kingdom. All right. Let's recap real quick. So, this is a season of opportunity. All right? 
or it's a season of disruption, but it's divine opportunity for the children of God who are paying attention, right? The more you renew your mind to hope, the more you will spot opportunity. Aaron's top three declarations to grow that hope, there is always a solution. My current challenge is a training ground for the greater influence I will have in the future, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, I'd almost love to challenge you if you would say those every morning and every night for 30 days. This is what Steve Buckland says. He's got like a whole bunch of declarations. He's like, I challenge you to say these and do your best to mean them once in the morning and once every night for 30 days, and then tell me what happens. Or what would happen if you started to every day decide, okay, God, if you're up for this, okay, Lord, I want to build the understanding that there is always a solution into my heart right now. What would happen to the rest of your life? And you know, it's like, it's not even just about your life. What will happen to the people around you? Because this isn't just about you. I mean, it, it sure makes life way better, I'm telling you. But it's not just about your quality of life growing. It's actually about the people that you come in contact with. Think of the people that can, whose lives can be changed because in the middle of a hectic worldwide crisis, they encounter someone that for some unbeknownst and crazy reason, they are full of hope. And they are like a lighthouse in this super dark, crazy tornado time that somehow makes me realize it's going to be okay. Do you know what I mean? So, whew, all right, would you stand? Let's pray real quick. You know, just an interesting thing I actually heard um, from Chris Vallotton recently. I think Pastor Catherine actually mentioned it, that it was when Nehemiah decided to take courage, that's when the discernment came. Right, somehow it's like, decide to believe that there's a solution and you'll start to see answers. Take courage, say, get your yes going, do your bit that God asked for, and then his part will come. So I just want to pray for you guys. Um, yeah, let's pray. Can we do that? You guys up for it? Whew. So first of all, I just want to pray um, for people that feel like, feel hopeless, right? And by the way, there's no shame about this at all. Like feeling hopeless is just a bad day, right? Well, it can be. There's no shame in it. So I think we might, if we could just have a, a raise of hands. Is there anyone here that has felt hopeless? We're going to pray for that group of people. Yep. All right. Now, we're also, yep, a couple over here. Now, I also want to pray. This is the other thing. I really, really, really want to pray for the innovators. I want to pray for anyone that is basically that has a job or a responsibility outside of the church. And we need it inside the church too, hear me. <laughs> Believe me, we're going to pray for it every day. But I want to pray for those of you that are in business, in university, in schools, like and all that stuff. Are you guys up for that? Now, are you willing to receive it? And do you believe that if we pray right now, something could shift? And it doesn't mean it all gets done for you, but it means that we can release something that then can act like a nitro boost for you to get on with this. 
and help you. Or like they say sometimes with conferences, you spend all this time in a conference and it's like if the ground was kind of hard, through the hearing of the word, it can make the ground soft and toiled, ready for you to go and plant the seed so something can grow. Does that make sense? So do you believe that if we pray right now, if the ground has felt hard, that it can be softened up right now? And if, let's say it's already softened, the seed's there, that we can pray for God to just breathe on the seed. Yes, all right. Well, I would like to do this together as a church. Can we do that? Now, if you feel like you just need to receive, or maybe as we will go through the different categories, and as we're doing that, I want the rest of you to be praying in tongues and really interceding and just believing that God is going to meet these people where they're at. All right, so first of all, we're going to deal with hopelessness. And even if you didn't put up your hand, that's okay. We're going to pray for that right now. So let's just pray, church. Hmm. Oh man, you can feel it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, right now I take authority over the spirit of hopelessness, God, that has been on our people. And we thank you, God, that no weapon formed against them can prosper. So right now, Father, we rebuke, we break every spirit of hopelessness, depression and intimidation that are on your people. And we command courage. We speak courage to their hearts right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that from this point on, God, that things are going to be different. God, I thank you that you are going to bring the right people along their paths. You are going to bring the right scripture to them, Father. I thank you, God, that you are going to set them on a course of hope in Jesus' name. We release the grace of the Father over them. The grace of the Father. You know what? In the scripture it says, Paul says, forgetting what is behind. I press on. That means it doesn't matter what you've done, how it's been done, whether you feel good about it or not. It means right now, that's done. Now we're going to move forward. So Father, I thank you for each person, for the ability that we just command right now, the past to be done. And we thank you, Father, for the future to, to come. We call in the future. In Jesus' name. All right. Now, for the people specifically, I'm just changing this up, specifically that you feel called to be an innovator in society. And you know what? In the church as well. If you feel called and you just know that there are like ideas and things that God has for you, put your hand up and be bold about it real quick. Yes. All right. Now, everyone else, I want you to pray for them. Put both hands up, guys. Be ready to receive. Father, we thank you for them right now, God. We thank you for the spirit of witty inventions, God, and designs. We thank you for solutions, God. God, we thank you for dreams that are going to point out, God, the holes that are in our society, God, the gaps of where things haven't been thought of yet, God. And I thank you that you are going to supernaturally release upon them, God, the ability, God, to be able to invade society with witty inventions, God, that are going to change the world. I thank you, Father. I even thank you, God. Man, I just feel like really quickly to pray for the mothers as well. Just put your hands up if you're a mom. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for the mothers, God. I thank you for wisdom to raise children, God. I thank you, God, for courses and curriculums on how to raise healthy children, God. I thank you for strength for it. I thank you for wisdom for it in Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus. Ha. Ah. All right, all right. Let's pray for everybody now. <laughs> 
Now, remember, it's important that when we're praying and someone's releasing something over you that you don't try too hard. All right? You don't have to squint your face. Or just take a deep breath and receive. Now, what that means, you take a deep breath and relax. And I'm going to just pray over you right now. Can we do that? So come on, put your hands out just to receive. Oh, Father, I just thank you right now for everyone hearing this, Lord, for just a release of the hope of God. I thank you, Father, that every heart that is anxious be stilled. And I thank you that the peace of God that passes all understanding, God, is guarding their hearts and I just release over them, God, fresh anticipation of good. I thank you, Father. I release over them joyful anticipation of good. Father, I just thank you, Lord, just like faith was being released during worship, Father. I thank you, Father, <laughs> for the faith, God, that though the righteous may fall, they get back up again. No matter how many times they fall or fell or stumbled. God, I thank you, God, for the courage. Yeah, I just release that right now too, God. Courage and ease. Lord, to accept your word like a child. Wow. I thank you, Father, that things are going to be different from this moment. Yes, Lord. Now, just to finish, would you just honor the Lord? Just speak out, just with, out of your mouth. Come on, honor him out of your own heart. Just tell him that you love him. Thank him. Come on. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Thank you that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. Ha! Because you have anointed us to preach the gospel through every stream and medium and avenue possible, God. To the poor and the brokenhearted and the downtrodden, Father. We thank you for it now. Hmm. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.